They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. Matthew, I know we have the five-year-later Legion, which shows the Legionnaires all grown up. But did right. you know there was another time where we got to see the Legionnaires all grown up? <laughs> yes, Stephen, I did know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you did, because we're going to talk about it this week. That's right. Adventure Comics number 354, The Adult Legionnaires. Published March 1967. Written by Jim Shooter with art by Kurt Swan from Shooter Layouts. The future of the future as Superman visits his childhood pals in the adult Legion of Superheroes. This is a really weird couple of issues for me. Because it I... just, it comes out of left field and suddenly it's Superman traveling to see the Legion of Superheroes and you're like, wait a minute, that's supposed to be Superboy that does this. And right. then Superman arrives and he's like, I am now in the far, far future. Look at how different everything is. Notice that the uh, the Nine Planets ice cream has been torn down to make way for the giant Legion headquarters. They tore down the ice cream and put up a parking lot. Ah, and but and in addition to finding that we are in the future, we also get to see what happened to all of the all of the Legionnaires. I mean, now instead of Cosmic Boy, it's Cosmic Man, and it's just it's just it's really shocking because he's walking through the Legion headquarters. And he's seeing all of these dead monuments yes. to dead fallen heroes. Only one of whom we actually have seen before. Right, like last issue, Pharaoh Lad giving his life to, uh, you know, so that the, the galaxy might live. Uh, but yep. there's also like um, Night Woman yep. is, is dead. Uh, Chemical Woman. King is dead. Chemical King, yep. Quantum Queen mm -hmm. is dead. Reflecto is dead. And the really fascinating part about all of this yeah, is everyone. There are five characters spotlighted on the cover. Mm -hmm. Every one of these characters is part of Legion lore. Only Pharaoh Lad has ever actually appeared before this issue. The other four characters on the cover of this issue do later become part of Legion history. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Everybody so, in this in this issue basically becomes something. So is this Jim Shooter then that does this and says, hey, in the future, these people are going to jo join? Or is this these are creators, you know, like decades later that are like, oh, remember that time that Shooter put in these these crazy characters that no one had heard of and they were dead? We're going to put them in now. <laughs> well, it's uh, there are four different stories for four different people. Do you want me to go into it? I certainly can. But yeah, let's touch on it uh, as a little bit sure. of foreshadowing for our listeners. <laughs> Four characters, foreshadowing. The four characters listed on the cover, other than Feral Ed, Chemical King mm -hmm. shows up actually relatively soon in uh, terms of Legion history yeah. and ends up joining the team, becoming an actual Legionnaire. Mm -hmm. Quantum Queen shows up quite a ways down the line, like 30 or 40 issues down the line. Not like ridiculous, not quite out of the 70s, mm -hmm. but we will come up against Quantum Queen as a member of the Wanderers, which is uh, another team of superheroes. Shadow Woman... Is Shadow Lass, long... right? Yes and no. Shadow okay. Woman for a long time was considered just a thing, a weird one-off thing. When Shadow Lass, you'll remember, has blue skin. True, but... Shadow no. Woman does not. 
what they actually do years and years from now in like adventure, not adventure, Legion of Superheroes, number 296 or 297, yeah. Shadow Lass puts on the costume that we see on, on the cover of this issue Interesting. and paints her skin pink and she and Monel go out and it's this thing throughout the issue where you're like, whoa, wait, what? What are the, what? And they go and they actually end up at the science asteroid. And for the people who remember this issue, you get a whole issue of, oh, my God, are they about to kill Shadow Lass? Yeah, this is really, really crazy because now in hindsight, for listeners who are just following along with us, knowing that there is this weird time loop that Mm -hmm. happens where here we're introduced to new characters, they're dead, but then in the future, they're added into the series Right. To make everything complete is is really, really weird. Well, Adventure Comics 354 and 355 were the Legion future mm-hmm. for the better part of 15 years. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, they don't fully address whether or not these are out of continuity until 1983. It's in Legion of Superheroes number 300, the big anniversary issue. Right that they actually admit, or uh, to be more honest about it, uh, Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen are tired of being hamstrung by the future of the Legion. And they finally say, well, it turns out that's an alternate reality. That's not the actual future of the Legion anymore. Yeah, which is, I don't know, because the cool part about time travel, but maybe not in like books like um, The Time Traveler. Uh, right, the, the interesting thing about, you know, like that book is it doesn't talk about altering the future, how you can't alter the future. But we know that when by 1984 comes around and we see the adventures of Marty McFly. Right. And uh, future in 1985 and, and 1955 and all that. So we know and, and certainly sci-fi at this time that experiments with time travel is talking about altering the future. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have to. I mean, this could not. This doesn't necessarily have to be a different reality unless you're thinking about how timelines split off into trees uh, for mm-hmm. people that have watched Stein's Gate where you make a jump onto another timeline. Or if you've seen the episode where Worf is caught in a weird uh, anomaly where all these futures are splitting off and he's jumping back and forth between those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would seem very easy for even Shooter in this issue or by the time these two issues are done. To just say, oh, uh, events have changed. A lot of the things that you saw are not going to happen because, you know, a butterfly flapped its wings. Right. And this is the beginning of 19... No, this is the same beginning of 1967. So this is right about the same time. Yeah, this is March and April. We see City on the Edge of Forever Mm -hmm. on Star Trek where Jim Kirk has to deal with altering the timeline and how he has to let the woman he loved die. Mm Mm-hmm in order to maintain the timeline of his past, not necessarily of his future. Right. But yeah, you're right. It's interesting to see this. I mean, we even see this with Doctor Who, right? Where he's essentially saying the timeline, the timeline is locked. I really can't change anything, but he does. Yeah, that's the thing. The doctor says the timelines are locked and that this is quantum locked or you can't get there. And yet he repeatedly, and every time he mentions it, breaks the rules. Yeah. So I think that when it comes to these time travel stories, this is, I don't want to say early because time travel stories have been around for a lot longer than the Legion, but yes. this is this is far enough into where playing around with those futures right now and saying this is the things that are going to happen in the future 
is still kind of a new toy rather than playing with the, oh my God, what happens if Marty isn't born? Weird kind of paradox stuff is still a couple of years out. So what's going on in the Superman titles? I realize that Legion of Superheroes is a Superman title book. Right. But what's going on for people who are working on Superboy when they are essentially in this same position that that Shooter is putting everyone else in with the mm-hmm. Legion of Superheroes? We know Superman grows up and becomes, you know, Superboy grows up and becomes Superman. Uh, right. You can't really do anything dramatic with Superboy except have lighthearted boy, quote unquote, boy fun. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why you see Superboy lose his book in the 1970s. I mean... Literally, not very long after this issue, Superboy loses his title to Legion. But it's called Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, but it's only called that for about 18 (laughs) issues before he disappears. That's not true. It's it's like 60 issues. So the next next question that I have about this this book, 354, Mm -hmm. is, is Shooter serving up, is this nothing but fan service? Because so much of this issue is FMK, where it's like, oh, okay, you know, we've always suspected that uh, Light Lass and Timberwolf were going to wind up together, or Saturn Girl and and, uh, Lightning Boy were going to wind up together. Do they wind up together in the future? And sure enough, we find out. They do. Last time around, we talked about how that issue was where everything changed in terms Mm -hmm. of the drama being inserted in a way that it kind of hadn't been before. Right. This is the point where the romance, where the character interactions really becomes a thing. And it's all fan service. It's all, here's what Brainiac five looks like 20 years down the line, which is to say bald. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So is this also the first time that we see Timberwolf's name get named as Timberwolf? Yes. This is where Bryn actually gets the Timberwolf name. Even though he's not even in the issue. Well, he is. Except, well, I mean, it's a we, statue of him. We actually see him on the TV screen talking to Brainiac oh, from right. their house. That's right. He and he and Ayla, and of course, Ultra Boy has also retired. Interestingly, mm-hmm. with the exception of the four characters on the cover that we haven't met yet, mm-hmm. we don't have any interaction with Legionnaires that we don't already know. Right. Even the new members of the Legion in this issue are Polar Man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, guys that we've already bumped into, Polar Man and Timberwolf and a couple of others, are really the ones who are in this issue under the leadership, once again, of Cosmic Boy, who, by the way, is an adult, so bald. Um, yeah, you know what? You know how you can tell when someone's older in a Swan comic? They, they look really thick, right? Like Superman is, like, thick. Yeah, he's, you know. They either go bald, in the case of Cosmic Man, right. or they smoke a pipe. You would think that Brainiac 5, you would think that Brainiac 5 is smart enough to know that smoking is a bad, bad thing. And yet the minute minute that we see Brainiac 5, he's walking in with one of the, you know, uh, uh, Beaver Cleaver's dad's pipe in his mouth. Well, it's actually filled with oils and nutrients. It's vaping. Is Is that what he's doing? He's vaping? (laughs) Probably. Yeah, but it it's Brainiac, so it's clearly going to be something that has only positive effects. And even the Legionnaires who kept their hair, like Monel, you're right, are about twice as broad across with big, thick bull necks and massive mm-hmm. chests and mm-hmm. rib cages, which I I really kind of love. Because I mean, Monel just looks like, oh man, I've really let myself go. <laughs> he does not. He's, yeah. He Monel. Lo- 
looks, he looks like, like George Reeves. Right. Are you saying that George Reeves is fat? Uh, George Reeves is thick. I will physically fight you if you mock George. Yeah. But yeah, the George Reeves thing is actually a really good comparison because that's what adult men looked like in the mm-hmm. 50s. Yeah. You turned 21 and your hairline receded and you were four feet thick and you started smoking a pipe. That's what happened in the 1950s. So it's really interesting when we get to see what's going on with um, with Light Lass and Timberwolf mm-hmm. and their kids. Yeah. It appears as though the old Rand's curse is carrying forward because they have two twins and they also have a single child who is older, very much like <sighs> Lightning Lad and Light Lass. And, and their, their big brother, brother Lightning, Lightning Lord. Lord. Yep. At this point in time, we have not yet established the part about Winneth having primarily twins mm-hmm. and having the psychological issues with non-twins. But then again, we don't know what planet they are actually living on. Right. Because she's married to Timberwolf, who is a humanoid. Well, mm-hmm. a Zunian, whichever. They're all, they're all humanoids. Yeah, but he's from Zune, which is a different planet. Mm. It was actually phased out in favor of planet iPod. But <laughs> the thing about it is, well, yeah. Don't don't, don't uh, make your planet all brown. You know, your Rand's family curse is also possibly in play in that because both Bryn and Isla got their powers by unnatural means, artificial means, she says, mm-hmm. the children have no superpowers. I Which guess. is weird because Ultra Boy's child has his super strength and Ultra Boy got his powers artificially. They don't show, you know, knowing what we know now about Validus, mm-hmm. it's interesting that we don't see Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl's kids. Lightning or, Lad and Saturn don't have kids yet in this issue. Oh, interesting. Interesting. In interesting. Or maybe they're all grown up and gone off to have thankless jobs with corporations. That may be true too. Now there is a real cool piece of science that's going on in this book that I wanted to talk about. And that is the idea of the photon inverter, which instantly allows them to send quote unquote light projections of themselves anywhere in the universe or to a, to a receiver somewhere else in the universe. Mm -hmm. And they get to go and see a good old, uh, um, what, who is it? Bouncing boy. Yes. Yeah. Chuck. They get, yeah. They get to go see bouncing boy who is a, um, no, no, they get to go see matter eater, matter lad. eater lad on uh, bismol. Yes. Yeah. Cause he's the, the governor or Senator. Or, or he's essentially there. the president of bismol. Yeah. That's abysmal. Uh, but here's the cool thing. There is this real cool, um, concept in quantum physics called quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. And what quantum entanglement does essentially says is that these, and this is a super non-scientific Stephen explains uh, quantum physics. Uh, so <laughs> there's going to be some things that are slightly wrong here, but essentially you can take two neutrons, two electrons, whatever, and they can become quantumly entangled, meaning that they have the exact same charge as right. one another. And you can send one to the other end of the universe and keep one here. And if you flip the charge on one of them, Right. The one on the distance will simultaneously flip its charge, meaning Correct. that how can something a billion million miles away have a sudden and instantaneous reaction with the with the one that's local? 
And that's part of this weird quantum entanglement where things get weird. When they talk yep. about these quanta entities appearing over on Bismol. Right. To me, it feels like they're starting to lay some subtle science in on people, even though it's, you know, crazy science Pseudo here. Science. Well, it's in the comic, comic books, it's, it's crazy science. science. Yeah. But it's really weird for people. And, and, you know, the idea of quantum physics and quantum entanglement, this really came out on paper in like 1933, I want to say. So this is like 30 years later. So maybe it's kind of popped up in some other uh, sci-fi tales here and there. But I found this really, really crazy. It is kind of neat to look at that. And I'm not entirely sure uh, if Jim is really aware of quantum theory. But then again, he may not be, but he's 15. He's probably having a physics class, you know, at the time of the be, writing of this. He could be having a physics class. That's true. So, But you also have to look into the question of, isn't it basically just the telephone? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was my other question. If they're ringing up everyone else on the uh, on the video phone, right? Why are they having to travel to see Matter Eater Lad using the Quanta entities and the Phantom Inverter? Well, you know how Brainiac Five is secretly a show off. Well, that would explain that, right? Brainiac Five is secretly a show off, and he wants to impress Superman. Like he wanted to impress Superboy with all the weird stuff that he knows that nobody else does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they zip around and they meet President Matter Eater Lad and they meet Colossal Boy, who's now the head of the uh, science police. Interestingly, later on, we do see Colossal Boy grow a beard, join the science police and lose his powers due to an injury. That's all crazy. three things that he claims. Yeah. And that's not during the time when the future Legion is actually the official future. Mm -hmm. This is well after Legion 300 into the Legion volume three era. When we see that mm -hmm. happening, I think it's also really interesting. I don't know. It's not addressed here, but, um, uh, Starman. Yes. You know, when Star he grows Boy. up, Starboy, Star. when he grows up to become Starman, he's mm -hmm. got some psychological issues. He, uh, yes, he is bipolar. Yeah. And, and, that's not a, obviously it's not addressed here because that's something that somebody else wow. would would come up with years later. But I, I just find it fascinating that he's he's very stable in, in this uh, book when, we, when he appears. Yep. And that's you know, that's another one of the things that you run into in this book. By the way, Starboy, grown up, you can tell because why? Bald. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Starboy growing up and having no hair and then bouncing boy marrying duo damsel. This is all really kind of interesting stuff that they're building characters for these characters. As we speak, Starboy really doesn't have at this point in time, a lot of character mm -hmm. other than I'm the guy who killed a guy who was trying to kill a girl. So of course, naturally Starboy ends up as an astronomer married to the girl of his dreams. Ah, see what I did there? I see that. I also see what Shooter did there. I get it. So, yeah. So really, and half of this issue is all lead up to, well, here's what everyone has been doing in this flashback. Uh, it's great that we we pad this out. Guess what, kids? You're going to have to go buy a second book, I think, to uh, get this all wrapped up. Um, but here's something that really interesting that happens. Mm -hmm. By the time we hit the midpoint of the issue and we get into part two, one against the Legion, the art suddenly just takes a massive change. It does. And it's it? really crazy and it's really weird. And it is totally, and I mean, totally uh, X-Men ripoffs. I mean, there's a, a bit where Saturn girl is trying to uh, zap the guy's mind 
Saturn Woman, trying to zap her mind, and that's total Jean Grey pose right there. Saturn Woman. Yeah. I, I don't know. You say you say a lot that Kurt Swan is drawing from Jim Shooter layouts a lot. Yes, that is true. Uh, is it? I mean, do yeah. we know for a fact that that Shooter is just like, hey, here's some uh, sketches, old man. You go out and do what I tell you, you see, because I'm 15 and I'm hip. That's not how layouts work. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, in this, at this point in his career, shooter scripts were actually submitted as layouts. Yeah, so little thumbnails he, and everything. He would draw the issue the way that he perceived it in his head mm-hmm. and then send it to the artist. And, you know, the artist didn't necessarily have to stick with it. And you can tell from this issue that Kurt Swan is doing Kurt Swan stuff. I mean, you look at grown-up uh, Timberwolf and how he's clearly Guy Williams from Zorro with a full head of hair and a cool mustache. You can tell that it's Swan doing the Swan stuff that Swan loves mm-hmm. to do. Well, these two pages where we come in where everything's in the dark and it's got some really cool uh, shadows mm-hmm. and it's got some really cool uh, hashing uh, all throughout the piece. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like Swan. It mm-hmm. looks like something totally different. And I didn't know if you knew if this was someone else doing the art on these pages as as filler or something, because by the time you hit page four, you're back into, oh, that's a Swan Superman. Well, again, the the adventure comics of this era are done from Kurt Swan. Kurt Swan is doing them from Jim Shooter layouts. Right. But the to my knowledge, the rest of the issue is exactly the same art team. It's Swan and I mm. think Murphy Anderson. Okay. I just find those two pages in the dark just radically different. Part of it feels like a throwback to some 30s comics, uh, but part of it feels like what the 70s uh, and like mid to late 70s indie comics would eventually look like. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And whether that is, you know, Swan looking at the layouts and going, hey, here's something weird and new that I can do that I haven't, you know, shown off anywhere else, or Mm -hmm. whether that's you know, Swan just going, I'm going to do something crazy and awesome because I'm on the Legion of Superheroes. I can't tell you, but I can tell you that no one has any, as far as I know, reports that part of this were done by a different okay. art team. It just looks really different. And it it's, does. It's still it's Swan. Enough to, it's enough to make me just have a moment's pause going, is this really still Swan? It's still Swan. Uh, George Klein actually is doing the inks on this issue. Okay, well, maybe because he's doing, because this is all dark and at night, maybe his style is showing through a little bit more. It may be. I mean, this issue does feel like there's a little more Klein than we have been seeing, Mm -hmm. especially in facial expressions, because you're used to seeing a Swan Superman look a certain way. Right. But, I don't know. The other thing about uh, Silver Age Superman, you know, all grown up, is that he's super, super smart, and he can figure anything out. He's a genius. He is a super genius. He may even rival Brainiac at this time, because, you know, he's been he's smoking too much s- of that weed in his tobacco, and so it's gone to his head. Um, but, you know, there's somebody out there trying to threaten to kill the Legion, mm-hmm. and Superman's like, hmm, I wonder who it could be. And then he looks at the audience through the fourth wall and says, I know who it is. Do you? He does not. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. I've solved the mystery. Now I know who the mysterious vandal is. I'll have to recheck the files to be sure, but I think I have him. And he's He's basically looking right at the reader. 
No, he's looking off into the third dimension. Like when you have your, your high school photos and they're like, <laughs> look off into the future. And you look off into the future and they take your picture in that three quarter profile. What, what was the name? What's the name of that? Uh, was it fantasy shots? What was the name of that place? That used I to... don't even know. Glamour shots. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is Superman's glamour shot pose. <laughs> At least they didn't give him the feather boa. So, so a dude dressed all in green. Mm-hmm. Not Karate Kid, by the way, but dressed all no. in green is lurking around the Legion HQ, and he's going to blow it up. Except when the Legion go in to apprehend him, he thinks he's trapped Superman with his super strength and his uh, kryptonite rods. Turns out, oh, Cosmic Man it's... and Superman have pulled the old Batman Superman switcheroo. That's right. Lifelike rubber masks, baby. Cosmic Man is the one behind the kryptonite, which means he uses his magnetic powers. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, this particular strange person seems remarkably susceptible to ferromagnetic transactions. Huh, I wonder I wonder who it could Why? be. Who could it be? Well, they pull off the mask and they reveal <gasps> Pharaoh Lad? Grown up? Aww. But how can that be? He's dead. He is. This is his twin brother. Donald. No, not Donald. Oh, I'm sorry. Douglas. Douglas. Yes. And they give us the first explanation of why they wear the masks. I'm Douglas Dolan, Pharaoh Lad's evil twin brother. We were born mutants with the power to turn our bodies to iron, but our faces were grotesquely inhuman. Yeah. That's how Douglas talks. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's still interesting, especially when we talked about last episode. Yeah, uh, especially. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's its its crazy because uh, Douglas believes that it's really the Legion's fault for his brother dying, but only after he, you know, comes out of his haze does he realize, oh no, you guys are just doing good, and I can't believe that I would do something like this to people that um, that my my brother loved and respected. I wonder who could be controlling me with with this this crazy spell that I've been put under. My old hatred flared up again. It's almost as though Saturn Queen has returned. <laughs> yes. I hate Saturn. The Legion of Supervillains is back at the end of this issue. And again, as we look at the shooter era and we're looking at a 15-year-old kid who mm-hmm. is obviously influenced by not just DC comics, but Marvel comics as well. And we start to see a Marvel style creep in the final three panels of this issue are like, meanwhile, in an undersea base, no, not Aquaman. (laughs) It's the Legion of supervillains. And then you get to the final panel of them all twisting and twirling their mustaches and tapping their fingers together. It's like, ah, it's time for us to take them out in the final countdown. Stop it. Uh, yes. And the reveal of the Legion of Supervillains does two things. First, it makes no sense. And second, it really turns the story in an entirely different direction because everything that we're introduced to in this issue is resolved by the end. Yes. If you had just said Douglas Nolan hated the Legion and wanted to destroy the Legion and they figure it out and Saturn Girl wipes his brain or something something not incredibly unethical at the end. You well, could get away with seven. It's fairly ethical. That's true. Well, you could get away with having this story just end that way. 
mm-hmm. but with the addition of the Legion of Supervillains, as we saw the last time the Legion of Supervillains appeared, we get a nonsensical second part set up. You know, that happened with Dynamo Boy. You'll recall Dynamo Boy threw everybody out of the Legion and the Legion of Supervillains mm-hmm. took over. Yeah. And then the second part of the story went completely off the rails. I sure do hope that doesn't happen again. Before we conclude with the Legion of Supervillains storyline, I want to jump mm-hmm. into the back half of issue 355, Matthew. Okay. Tales of the Legion of Superheroes, which mm-hmm. comes out of left field because what we have been seeing in these books are the tales of, of Young Superboy or something, right? We've seen these old right. reprints the, of, the of classic classics. They're not reprints. They're Hall of Fame classics. Okay. Hall of Fame classics. Uh-huh. Re- reprints, though. But Hall of Fame classics. A mere reprint is some boring, dry old tale from the past. No, Stephen. Hall of Fame classics are shined up bits of ephemera from our past, things that we needed to know about the Legionnaires. So the Tales of the Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. this isn't a shined up old story that appeared somewhere else, is it? Nope. This is a new tale that is disguising itself as a classic, like Tales of Superboy adventure type stuff. Is no. really weird. It shows up. I mean, this is a backup story. Right. We've- but it's really weird that they're basically borrowing that same concept and idea to shove in a couple of uh, other characters into this book. I'm not sure if it's a shove, but it's definitely something to try, I think, and give the book, you know, two stories again. Because mm-hmm. we've had book-length adventures since the Hall of Fame classics ended. Some of them have been great, and some of them have been, you know, not and I'm thinking that having shorter stories or having a variety of stories may be a way to address the fact that we have 25 main characters. That's true, because this time we get uh, introduced to Insect Queen, the six-legged yeah. legionnaire, Lana Lang back, everybody. <laughs> this, however, is not our technical introduction to Insect no, Queen. No, she's, she's been around before. Yeah, Lana became the Insect Queen in Superboy uh, 165, I think, which was back in 1965, mm-hmm. not 165. Mm-hmm. Well, she wants to become a part of the Legion of Superheroes, and they're basically mm-hmm. like, nah, we don't need you. <laughs> that is not how they are. The superheroes are nice to oh, people. Oh, they're like, oh, you have a wonderful superpower. Here's a flight belt. There's the door. We're, we'll put it right here on the refrigerator. Now, there are a couple of cool but, things. Yes. There, I will say that there is one cool panel in this entire story. And it is where they have Colossal Boy growing. And it's a really weird thing because it looks like Colossal Boy has like four heads coming out of his body. Uh, but it's really them trying to show here he is growing from a normal size to a giant size. And I'm like, oh, that yeah. is a really cool concept that you don't see enough in, in books. Yeah, he's doing it at a, at a run. So you see him trying... Well, you- try and see him expanding into space, but still. Yeah. But this is a, this is a crazy adventure. Is this shooter <laughs> writing this? It is not. Ah, let me guess. Let me guess. Guess. It's not Edmund Hamilton. Nope. Is it Jerry Siegel? No. No. It's, it's Otto Bender. Oh, Otto. Otto. <laughs> but Otto, you're it, supposed to be off doing like a uh, space magazine and stuff right now. 
<laughs> I'm supposed to be writing things about Lana Lang, six-legged butterfly queen. She's the insect queen, oh, as seen. I really just hated this story. Well, it's definitely not up to the... It You know, it, it feels like a throwback to an earlier Legion era, which makes perfect sense because it's an Autobinder story. Mm-hmm. And it definitely feels like after five or six issues of Shooter and Nelson Bridwell, who also does really, you know, complex sort of more modern, I don't want to say modern, but more modernized Silver Age storytelling. Right. This feels like a throwback to that proto-Golden Age storytelling that we saw in the first issues of the Legion. But now, yeah. Hmm. So I wonder, because this this is, again, couched under this Tales of the Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. we know that Bender you know, created the, the Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. uh, and we know that he was doing a lot of other, some comic book stuff and some other stuff. And this feels like such a retro throwback type story. Right. Do you think that they cleaned up an old script that they had lying around? That's an interesting question. I mean... You have to wonder just because of how it feels. And I'm wondering, you know, could it have been something that they had in a drawer as a backup story or mm-hmm. a possible, you know, fill I'm in? I'm wondering if this script know. was just a backup story that they had lying around and they're like, oh, let's scrub this. Let's let's put her let's put Lana as a member of the superhero reserves. Right. And not a not a member of the Legion of Superheroes, nor is she a uh, substitute heroes member. Right. It's really weird. I think that it may have been a conscious attempt to have all of Clark's school friends represented because Pete and Jimmy are already legionnaires or Mm -hmm. honorary legionnaires. Well, Mm -hmm. one honorary in Pete's case and one reserve in Jimmy's case. So having Lana get her own powers and be part of the team just kind of makes sense if you're looking at the Legion as nothing more than an offshoot of Superboy. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird tale. It is. Adventure Comics number 355, The War of the Legions. Published April 1967. Written by Jim Shooter with art by Kurt Swan from Shooter Layouts. The Legion of Supervillains returns for revenge, but help arise from an unexpected source. Oh, let's reveal the shocking conclusion. Of Um, this week's episode, two-parter. The Legion of Supervillains are back, and they're trying to kill everybody. In fact, they bring in a couple of uh, schmucks that get taken out. New guys. They're not just schmucks. Well, okay, they are just schmucks. And they're not related to anybody. They're not. Uh, But yeah, this is such a... Man in the Iron Mask and Woman Who Flames On. You've got Beauty Blaze and Echo. Yeah. uh, Both of whom actually have weird sort of histories. Echo interestingly enough, will be a Legionnaire himself. Interesting. But this is important. Echo is one of a handful of Legionnaires who is a member of the Legion who is never actually shown in a story as ever having been a member of the Legion. Echo is one of the characters hmm. who was a part of the Legion during the five-year gap, the missing time period. Yep. So are they then implying then that he turns evil? Or is this a different Um, character? It's the same guy. Okay. It's Mike Four Aster of Kundish Aisha. But uh, the last time we saw him, and remember, that five-year gap continuity has been excised mm-hmm. from the official timeline. The last time we saw him, he was back with the big Legion of Supervillains as seen in Legion of Three Worlds. 
So I don't I don't know if he was meant to be somebody who got his act together or somebody who turned evil on them. Those stories were never actually written. He was just put in there kind of as a neat little uh, throwaway. Mm -hmm. So Cosmic Man takes him down. He does. Saturn Woman has to fly off to a metropolis and she's Mm -hmm. flying to a building that when I saw it, I was like, holy crap, someone's predicting the future quite a bit. Because uh, Universe Tower that's at the World's Fair or whatever that's going play, uh, going yeah. on at this location in Metropolis yes. is almost an exact replica or an exact image of the Burj Khalifa Tower in, um, where is it? Not Saudi Arabia. Maybe it is Saudi Arabia. Dubai. Dubai, that's right. Dubai. Is you know, the, the tallest tower, second tallest tower in the world. Yes. I mean, it just looks exactly like that. And I looked at that. I was like, wow. Somebody's really predicting the future. I don't know how they either moved it that, to Metropolis, but. Either that or Metropolis took over the whole world and Dubai is actually in Metropolis. Oh, maybe. And even better than that, you know what it means? What's that? Whoever designed the Burj Khalifa is a legion of superheroes. Oh, man. there you go. <laughs> there you go. Or maybe it's just the fact that the taller your building goes, it needs to get skinnier as you go up. Oh, don't ruin it with facts. Sorry. But I mean, here we go. Fight after fight after fight after fight. Lightning yep. Lad, or sorry, Lightning Man, has to take on his his older brother, Big brother, uh, Lightning we, Lord. We have a Polar Man who is has to take on Beauty Blaze. We mm-hmm. have a Saturn Girl who takes down Saturn Woman, Saturn Queen, Saturn take, Queen. Sorry, they're all Saturn. the same. All the same. Yeah, names. it's confusing. Although they do finally address the thing that's fascinating to me about the supervillains, which is well, there's actually two things. One is that uh, clearly. Kurt Swan's Lightning Lord is Vincent Price. Yes. But Cosmic I was going to say the same King, thing. Cosmic King does not have magnetic powers. He has the same powers as Element Lad. Yes. So Cosmic King actually doesn't fight his namesake. Mm-hmm. He fights his counterpart with powers in Element Lad and mm-hmm. gets completely uh, wiped the floor with by the boy in pink. Well, that's only because they're really having a plan where they're going to capture them all. And kill them all at once. And this, I gotta say, this feels like shooter going full X-Men mode here. Where it's yeah. just battle, 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 battle. And I'm not saying that Echo kind of reminds me of Havoc, but... And I don't even know when Havoc shows up, but... Not till 65, I think. Yeah, well, this is 67, so... Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when did Element, uh... When did Element Lad become kind of a chunky fellow? When he, he grew looked, up. He looks like, you know who he looks like? Who? Element Lad looks like Mr. Incredible. <laughs> I was going to say he looks like the guy who played Doc Savage before Ron Ely. Uh, there was only Ron Ely. No, Ron Ely. There was somebody before him. Well, I mean, there's only two people. I mean, there's only ever been one Doc Savage movie. <laughs> there was a television show. Yeah, not really. Okay. Um, so this big battle is going on, mm-hmm. and it is crazy, man. And it looks like the Legion of Supervillains are going to win until two armored figures show up and say, we're going to help you guys out. Now, we just saw two yep. armored figures a couple of issues ago rushing right. in to save the day. Surprise and mysterious in that uh, Nelson Bridwell story that except, we saw four issues ago. Except this one has a big L on its chest. And right. the shorter one has an M on the chest, which could be mysterious. No, they're L and M. L and M. They make great cigarettes. They do, and uh, they take out the Legion of Supervillains like that, and then we get 
the biggest WTF of all time, <laughs> because as everyone is recovering, they're like, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, armored people. Please take off your masks and and let us congratulate you. And it's frickin' Lex Luthor and Mr. Mixius Pitalik. Right? Two of Superman's greatest enemies. Oh, but we weren't really Superman's foes. We're the 30th century descendants. Right. We're the great, great, great grandchildren of Lex Luthor and Mr. Mixius Pitalik, rather than the actual deal, which... I'm sure. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a fifth dimension imp is going to, you know, supposedly live forever, but okay. (laughs) But somehow these two, they wanted to join the Legion of Superheroes, Mm -hmm. but they were afraid because of their names and just like, I mean, Brainiac 5 should be the most sympathetic to these two characters. He really should, because he is himself the great, great grandson of one of Superman's greatest villains. But these are like spitting images of Mr. Mixius Pitalik and Lex Luthor. And these guys are like, oh, we were afraid you were going to reject us outright. And they're like, no, hold on. We've already voted you in. You're already accepted you into our crappy adult legion because there's only four of us left. Lex Luthor Luthor and Mr. Mixius Pitalik are members of the Legion of Superheroes. This is sad because I had forgotten that when I did my Legion of the Day over the last couple of years, and I better, never actually you better correct used. that. No, and here's why: it's dumb. But more importantly, <laughs> you know why they fit in? Why they're going to be a part of this Legion and fit right in? Why they're bald? <laughs> oh yeah, old people bald. There you go. They're old people. Hey, wait are a minute! Bald. I'm going bald. Well, you're old. No, but no. Does that mean I'm going to be a member of the Legion of Superheroes? I've already yes, got the ring. It does. Woo-hoo, I just need the flight belt and a fancy name. You know what we're going to call you? Uh, forget everybody's name, lad. Yes, that's a good one for you, except you wouldn't remember that. It's too long. So the last time we saw the Legion of Superheroes in a two-parter yes. with the Legion of Supervillains, right. the second part was completely nonsensical. Oh, yeah. This is totally off the wall, bonko, bonko crazy. So why is it, do you think people keep coming back to the concept of the Legion of Supervillains? Because it's never done well. Well, it has never been interesting. Here, here's the here's the reason why I think that we keep getting revisited by the Legion of Supervillains is because someone like Shooter is sitting there going, yeah, I remember when the Legion of Supervillains showed up the last time. It wasn't really good and it's kind of dumb. I bet I can do a better job. And then you can't because the problem with the Legion of Supervillains is they are an exact match in powers to most of what the Legion members are. So the only way the Legion of Superheroes can win is if they, you know, separate the the members and isolate them and take them down in little pockets until they get to the final four that they need to to take out. But then the final four they're always taking out are Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad and Cosmic Boy and whoever is the fill-in Legionnaire of of the issue. And they're too evenly matched. They cannot do it. And so it ends up being a very disappointing uh, story in the end. And I think by the time you realize that, you've done so many crazy things to prove that the Legion of Supervillains <laughs> are deadly that you've just written yourself into a crap hole uh, corner that you can't get out of. Well, I would say written into a crap hole does, in fact, describe the end of this story. I mean, let's pull the I mean, tw- but here's the other thing, too. Here's the other thing, too. In both of these issues, 
there are Scooby-Doo reveals. True. When did Scooby-Doo first appear? 1969. Oh, so a couple of years away. Boo. Mm-hmm. But here's here it is. In the in the last issue, we got to find out who this uh, who this guy is. Oh, it's Pharaoh Lad. No, it's his twin brother, Pharaoh Dude. And they had to <laughs> do it by pulling off the mask. Here they're doing the exact same thing. <laughs> when Lex Luthor and Mister Mixius Pitalik pull off their mask, and they're like, "What? Superman's Hello. greatest villains? No, we're actually good people now. Trust us." Is that how Lex Luthor talks in your that, world? That's how Mister Mixius Pitalik talks. Oh, how does Lex Luthor talk? Hello, children. I am Lex Luthor. I know we are the same age, but I find myself far superior to you, so I will still refer to you, Cosmic Man, who is now clearly 65 years old, as a child. That's how Lex (laughs) Luthor talks. How old do you think these guys are? Legionnaires? Yeah. 35. Is everybody always 35? Yeah, because uh, for the longest time, Superman was eternally right about 29. Mm-hmm. And Superboy was one of the younger members of the Legion. So you figure it's been only about, you know, 15, 16 years for the Legionnaires. I think that Swan used as many shortcuts as he could to make them look older. Yeah. And because, you know, they've been so defined by their haircuts, mm-hmm. changing the haircut makes perfect sense. Who? How many guys do we know who went bald in their 20s? I can six, think of a couple. Seven. Yeah, maybe yeah. six. They exist, man. They do. So who, of of these characters, mm-hmm. who do you like the most as their older counterpart from their look, from their style? I mean, I'm gonna Timberwolf go... really doesn't have too much of a change. Actually, I was going to say Timberwolf because he looks like Zorro. Uh, yeah, with some Errol Flynn kind of stuff going on or... Uh... Guy Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I kind of like, I kind of like... Colossal Man's new look because he looks like generic G.I. Joe with Kung Fu grip. (laughs) I was going to say he's presaged the goat beard. Matthew, we have come to the end of another Legion Clubhouse episode. As we look back, what did we learn this week? We learned that Cosmic Boy was, in fact, the very first Legion leader. I think we also learned that a Scooby-Doo reveal is always going to work in any book that you read. And we learned that sometimes the writers forget things because they refer to Lightning Lad's home planet of Winneth as Omarta. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for being part of this uh, adventure. We're having a lot of fun going back and reliving uh, the histories of these characters and learning. We're all learning and we're all evolving and growing. And I hope you are too. Uh, if you want to uh, see this show continue, please head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers, kick in a few bucks a month. It'll help keep this show going strong and far, far, far into the future, maybe into the 30th century. But until then, I'm Stephen's 30th century great, 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 great descendant, but I'm good. <laughs> and I'm Bumble Boy. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa.
This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.